Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. There are two calendar days a year that uh, um, that frustrate the preaching schedule and preaching style. I, su- I assume it's appropriate um, and odd, really, to complain about the two events that have caused us to be here. Every April we have one. Every December we have one. Perfect bookends. The birth and the resurrection. But here's the problem it causes for me. You probably already know this. But when it comes to preaching, I love the study. I love, the, I love formulating the movements of the sermon. But one of my favorite things is to find that little bitty piece of information, that aha information, to where you get to it, and then you, it's like a gift, you know? You put it out there, and you're like, good one, didn't see it coming. That's what I like. It's the same thing I like in movies. It's that M. Night Shyamalan thing. You familiar with M. Night Shyamalan? Google it, all right? There's always the twist. There's always the turnaround. There's always the, I didn't see that. And I like that. And you know what Christmas and Easter does for me when it comes to preaching and the aha moment? Guess what? You already know the punchline. You already know. You showed up. There's nothing I can do to surprise you. There's nothing I can just pull out and be like, aha. And you just be like, yeah, we already know. He was born. We celebrate the birthday every year. Easter is the same thing over and over. Even guys in my line of work, you know what they do? They just go telling the secret, keep Christ in Christmas. Come on, fella. It's not even Christmas. Let it rest for a minute. There's no surprise attack. If you just keep telling everything. Wise men, they put it on their signs. Wise men still seek him. Come on. Stop telling the punchline. Kind of difficult, really. What I should do is just dust off last year's sermon. It's still true. <laughs> but, but I don't. I was just, <sighs> that'll work. You know? That's what I should do. Some people do. <sighs> but I got, for me to be able to stand up and preach with any sort of conviction or passion, it kind of has to be something kind of fresh to me. Maybe that's the ADD talking. Maybe it's holy. I don't know. We probably know. But I, but I can't. I can't. The problem is the story is already there. It's already it's no real big secrets I can spring on you and tell you. Well, here it is. But in my study, I did see something that was interesting. Because here's what happens. The moment the main character 
the crescendo of the entire story. Jesus, God incarnate, is born unto a woman. That is so blindingly glorious. A lot of times the side notes and the sideline characters kind of go unnoticed. I don't know that I can tell you anything this morning that is going to be surprising or different or fresh. But I did notice something that interested me. And because it interested me, now you have to hear about it. <laughs> it, it was interesting to me. And I've seen it before, and you've probably seen it too. But I've never been able to put my finger on really what the problem is. You see, when Luke opens up his gospel story, he starts with his, inter with his introduction. Most excellent Theophilus. Many have taken it upon themselves to write a recording of the life of Jesus. But I thought it necessary for me to do so. And he goes through this little introduction, and then right out of the gate, you would think to yourself, he's going to get right to the nativity. Get to the nativity. Take me to the stable, you know, and the cows, the laying around, the wise men, the shepherd. Take me right there. But he doesn't. Luke doesn't. Instead, he introduces you to somebody who you're going to hear about in this chapter and never hear about again. In the days of Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah. I hope this is an important part of the story. You ever had little kids tell you stories before and you're just trying to figure out which part's important? You know? Dad, I need to tell you something. And they start and you're like, okay, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do next. Like I get to the point, is there, uh, I'm getting nervous, like this is going to, I don't know where this story's going. And I'm looking at Luke and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to start with Zechariah. And it's kind of important because he takes these two stories and puts them side by side. And they have a whole lot of similarities. It's almost like a contrasting practice. He just puts them side by side and says, like a, like a word search, you know? Do you see? It's that old Sesame Street thing. Which of these things doesn't belong here? And they're side by side, and he holds them up right there, and you're like, okay, I see it. It's two pregnancies. It's two miracles. It's two questions. Zacharias turned to serve in the temple. The most coveted job for a priest was to go in and to stand at the altar of incense and light the incense. I know it doesn't sound too flashy right now, but this is a very important job, and here's the reason why. This is the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the Israelites that are going to go up before God inside of the holy place. If you got your name drawn by lottery to go in and handle that deal, the chances were you would never do it again. And if you were a priest, this is the thing that you wanted to do most. Zechariah is an old man, which means he's never done it. He's a veteran in the job, but he's a rookie. Luke goes on to tell us that he is from the line of Aaron. That's the priestly line. Not only that, but his wife is from the priestly line of Aaron as well. That's like double honor. Oh, really? You were from the, your daddy was a priest? Yeah, my daddy was a priest. My dad was a priest and I'm a priest. Oh, well, aren't you holy? They're holy. 
They're so good. Even Luke writes that. Blameless. Kept the commandments. They were blameless. But she could not have children. This is what's kind of hard. If you're a priest, you're blameless. You've been serving God. You've been taking care of all your responsibilities, honoring God with your life over and over, and he keeps praying the same prayer. Dear God, dear God, give me a boy. Give me a baby. A boy, but a baby. Give me a baby. Said, But he could not have kids because his wife, Elizabeth, was barren, or thought to be so. His name gets drawn. Here's the pain and the irony of the story. His job is to go into the holy place and offer up prayers for everybody else to be sure everybody else's prayers are heard. I mean, God's not here in mine, but let me do the work for you. I don't know. I just put myself in that spot. I would be a little frustrated. Maybe he enters it in with the mindset of, you know what? I'm thankful that I get to do this before I die. He's a holy man. He's blameless. He kept the, kept the Torah. He was good. Maybe he didn't have any feelings, but I'm putting myself in his shoes. Oh, is that what you need? You need me to intercede for you to God? Tell him everything that you need? That's what you want? Oh, okay. Okay. I'll just take mine and set him off to the side. I don't know. Maybe he's a much better, probably a much better person than me. Drapes himself in humility. He would have woke up early. He would have purified himself because you can't go in the temple. You can't go into the holy place, especially if you have not purified yourself. Purified himself. He would have been very, very strict at trying to keep his mind in order. Maybe he had to fight off the pride. This is a very, 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 very big time job. Maybe he had to fight off the anger. Maybe he's just got that aching question inside of like, God, are you ever, ever, ever going to answer this prayer? I've only been praying it for like mm, forever. Anytime. Have you been there? You got that prayer and you've said it over and over and over and he don't even say nothing. It's not even, no, I've got a better plan. It's just, okay. Zechariah checks himself and he goes in to the temple and he pulls the curtain back to the holy place and he goes into the holy place and he's got his head lowered and he's got his eyes lowered and he's just making sure that he does not wander off in his mind, in his heart. Just stay focused and do the thing. You don't want to sin in the holy place. As he approaches the altar of incense, he raises his eyes up and standing in the holy place beside the altar of incense, is Gabriel the angel? I think he probably stood like this. 
you know, just like, what's up, you know. <laughs> I love scaring people at my house, in the laundry room, coming around the corner, boo, oh, <laughs> Kate hates it. She'd be in the laundry room working it up, and it'd just be kind of loud, and then I'll come in, I'll just walk in real, she won't even know I'm there. Hey, babe. <laughs> many, many times. Oh, ooh. You don't scare old people, though. That's a rule. That's a rule. You know why, don't you? We don't even need to talk about it, right? You don't. Young people, yeah. That's, oh, that, they, they can move fast enough to... The, the alternative though, like, mm, mm. <laughs> you don't do that. <clears throat> What's up? I've never seen an angel. Maybe you have. I haven't. But I hope the wings are huge and loud. <sighs> you know? And as he moves, and Zechariah, this old man, comes in. Scripture says he was startled and then gripped with fear. Startled is to offset someone's equanimity, their emotional and mental balance. You know. When something happens to you and you say words that typically wouldn't come out of your mouth, <laughs> sets off your emotional and mental balance. Things that were not okay to say suddenly are okay. And here it comes, you know? <laughs> Just words, you know? And then gripped with fear, which means overwhelmed, overcome, Captured by, possessed by a dread so terrible, it sends you to flight. Old people don't go to flight. <laughs> Have you seen fainting goats? That's what I imagine. <laughs> ah, oh. You know? Like, that's what I see. But he doesn't, he doesn't. And before any of that really just transpires and gets to a bad place. Gabriel says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Don't be afraid. He said, come to give you good news. Your prayer, notice it, singular. Your prayer, not prayers, your prayer, that one that you've been praying since you were a young, 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 young man. Your prayer has been heard. Ha, ha, ha. Really? Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to bear you a child. His name's going to be John. Call him John. God wants his name to be called John. He's going to be great. He'll be great in the sight of man and God. Don't let him drink. No alcohol. This kid's going to be weird. Not for the no drinking. He's going to be weird for a million other reasons. 
He's going to pave the way for God's people to finally return to God. He's going to pave the way for the Messiah who is coming. This is a very, very important kid. He is going to bring you so much joy. Wow. I got this buddy. I shared this in a video several, several years back, but it's pretty fitting. This friend of mine, who on occasion will pop out this little line that makes me laugh. And it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But it makes me laugh. He'll always say, hey, listen, if you see my dad, let him know I'm still on the porch waiting for him to come pick me up for Christmas from 1989. And he just laughs about it. Because he's really not waiting on the porch, you know. But he did. He waited there a lot. And that son of a gun never came. Never. Supposed to come and he never came. My buddy's got a really great sense of humor. He laughs about all kinds of stuff. I talk to him almost daily. He's a funny guy. He handles it well. And you wouldn't know that he's so jacked up. You wouldn't know that that, that his history was just so gnarly. But every once in a while, it'll come out. He'll say, I think I got a complex. I think my dad gave me a complex. I just don't want to be him. I so don't want to be him. You know, he didn't ever come. And I don't want to be that guy. He's a noble guy. He's a good man. Zachariah looks at the angel it's the thing about hope, you know, where you lose hope. It's one of the ugliest words and one of the most beautiful words at the same time. Because here's the deal. If you don't have hope, it leaves no room for disappointment, right? So that's awesome. No hope, no disappointment. If you don't ante up, then you don't have to lose. So push back. Isn't that what happens in love? Somebody hurts you? And then you're supposed to somehow re-enter their atmosphere, but you don't trust it? If I stay out here, there's no pain. If I get in there, it's only always hurt. Always. My buddy became pretty hopeless about his dad showing up. Probably a lot of you have been hopeless about different things, too. To where you're just like, I got no hope in this. I got no hope in this. I'm going to just write it out until fill in the blank. I think Zechariah is there. Your prayer is going to be answered. Your son's going to be great. This is going to be awesome. This is going to change everything. Zechariah gets that old hopeless scowl on his face. Can you give me some guarantees? Excuse me? I mean, look at the verse. He says, how will this happen? For I am an old man. And if you notice, this is pretty good. Zechariah is pretty sharp. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. 
Gentlemen, you don't have an old wife. You have one who is well along in years. Zechariah is smart enough to know. And I don't know how that's going to happen. How can, how can I be sure of this? For I am an old man. She is well along in years. Set that story aside for a second. Put yourself in her shoes. She's somewhere between 15, 16, 14, somewhere. If she's right along in that age, then I get her. Because I got one. She just got her permit. It's not good unless there's an adult in the car. She's probably preparing for a prom, a homecoming. She probably has a red spiral notebook in her room, and it says biology in block letters written with Sharpie, and on the inside of it, she doodles some boy's name all the time, over and over and over. You know you did it. She probably loves music, movies. She's 15. She probably got her earbuds in all the time. Mary, Mary, Mary. She's probably got her earbuds in. Knock, 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 opens the door. Mary, sorry, Dad, I had my earbuds in. Of course you had your earbuds in. She's a good, good girl. She's smart. She's pretty. She's a good girl. But just because a 15 or 16-year-old girl is smart and pretty does not mean that there's not trouble. I know. Because where there is a 15, 16-year-old girl who is smart and pretty, you know what else there is? A bubbling band of bench-pressing buffoons who were 15, <laughs> 16 years old, walking around in their, like, small shirts that they got from Baby Gap, talking about, want to know how much I can bench-press? Like, come on, pal, you're 15. Are you kidding me right now? And I don't only know this because I've seen it happen. I also know it... Because I was once in the band of 15, 16-year-old idiots. I see the comings and goings of a 15-year-old girl daily at my house. <laughs> I must tell you, it is pure gold. Gold. Both on a comedic level and on a fatherly level, on a spiritual level, it's Gold. It's amazing because at 15, there's so much you don't know. You just don't know stuff. But at the same time, there's sometimes a sense in which at 15 years old, there's so many things that you understand so much better than everybody else. You have a grasp on things that are just pure and innocent and you can just somehow know and somehow your faith doesn't have the hangups that you get as you get older. And I've had to learn how to tame my nuclear reactions when I hear the phrase, Dad, can we talk? Because this could go any direction. Yeah, 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 we can, we can, we can, we can. Sure, let's, let's talk. Because that's such a scary thing. It goes against every single thing. It's like, my main instinct is to protect, and at the same time, I've somehow got to move out of the way because this is God's girl. He's got a plan for her, and guess what? It might not involve me micromanaging it. 
Jared, I'm doing a thing. Do you mind? Yeah, I was just going to tag along. If you, yeah, I mind. I mind. Just no tagging along. Okay, it looks pretty scary. What, what, what you're doing with her out there? Yeah, this isn't the scariest thing uh, that's ever happened. So go back and sit down, please, or you're going to get it. Probably not going to sit down. Mary's so good, and I imagine she probably has chores. I imagine she probably has uh, things that she does. She probably loves her siblings, but she probably likes her privacy. Scripture doesn't say, but I imagine she's off on a off on a chore. Goes to the marketplace for her mom. She's engaged, you know. To a man named Joseph. He's a good guy. Golly, he's a good guy. Kind of a nerd, but such a good guy. Just a good, I don't know that he's a nerd, but just, oh, one of those guys that's such a nice guy, you're like, you can't really even talk bad about him. He's just such a nice guy. Ah! Oh. She's just crazy about him. And if you ask her, she'll say, and he's handsome. Hmm. <laughs> Her ear is tuned to his song. He's a carpenter. His song, hammer and nail. Her ear is tuned to it. And she goes through the marketplace and she's listening like, I hope I hear his song. Looking on the breeze for that scent of fresh cut boards just floating. Because if she finds that, she finds him. That's not why she's in the market, and she's not going to veer off course, and she's not going to get distracted. She's going to keep doing her thing, but her, her head is on a swivel. She's got her eye out. Would love to see him while I'm down here. And then somebody else catches her eye. Somebody she doesn't know, but somehow there's this magnetic draw. She stops, but he keeps coming, and he keeps walking straight towards her. She stopped, and he said, greetings, favored lady. The Lord is with you. The greeting sounded like something of misidentification or heavy responsibility. Either I'm not who he thinks I am, or my world is about to change something major. It says that she was troubled at the greeting and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. And the angel says to her, you're going to have a baby. A baby? You're going to have a baby. You're going to name him Yeshua. It's Jesus. You're going to name him Jesus. set on the throne of David. His kingdom will never end. He will be great in the sight of man and God. He's wonderful. They'll call him son of the most high. But Mary's hopeful. She's not like Zechariah. She's got plans. 
She's got things in her mind. She has this thing about God to where her divine imagination has not been unplugged. Because that's what happens when you get older, you know? The stuff you stop imagining that God could do with your life, you just reach in like a check engine light and unplug it. That way you never have to know what it is you're missing. Not her. She looks at it like, is that right? A baby. I do have one question, though. Go ahead. How will this happen? You know, I'm completely inexperienced. Completely. Did you notice the question? How will this happen? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to come up on you. The power of God is going to do this on his own. Even your relative Elizabeth, you know Zechariah's wife? Yes, yes, my cousin. She's pregnant and she's old. May it be unto me as you say. And the angel left. Two pregnancies, two miracles, two questions. You stand those two questions side by side. Zechariah's question. How can I be sure of this? For I am old and she is along. Mary's question. How will this happen? For I am inexperienced completely. They're both the how question. How, how. Yet one thing happens for sure. When Zechariah looks at the angel and he says to the angel, how can I be sure of this? The angel says, you want to know how you're going to be sure of it? This is how. You're not going to talk for the next nine months. And froze his tongue up. Made him a mute for the next nine months. You know what's really bad about that is that his wife is going to be pregnant for the next nine months and he can't complain about nothing. <laughs> Brilliant. God is so funny. No complaining for you. Just silence. Beautiful. One question gets punished. The other question doesn't get punished. This is the thing that I saw about the Christmas story that I've seen before, but I can't make sense of it. Zechariah says, how can I be sure? Mary says, how will this happen? Both of them state their biological reasons for asking the question. I'm old and she's old. And Mary says, I'm young and completely inexperienced. What's the difference? Why does somebody else get, why does one guy get punished? And somebody else doesn't get punished for asking the question. Maybe faith works on a sliding scale, you think? Zechariah's a priest, right? He's been serving in the temple, right? He's in the altar. He's at the altar of incense and lighting it. You should know better. You should know that all things are possible with God. You, you're an old man. You should know your faith should be good. She's 15. What does she know? Very, very little. She's 15. I'm not going to punish her for asking questions, but I don't think that's it. 
I don't think that's it at all. It's like it's not the first word that's the problem. It's like it's the second word that's the problem. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? And Mary says, how will this happen to me? Ah, I get it. I get it. I think I understand it. Here's what happens. Because when you get older and you begin to get stuck in your ways and you get rid of that hopelessness thing, there's this thing about you that grows very impatient with God. God, results, please. And you know those people, those annoying people who say stuff like, wow, the joy is in the adventure. You're an idiot. No, it's not. No, the joy's in the adventure. In the adventure, I would like the adventure to end. And I would just like good things to show up in my life. Oh, my marriage is struggling. Well, the joy's in the adventure. No, no, that's where homicide happens. You know? That's not joy and adventure. Hmm. <laughs> But we lose that thing. Just, just deliver the goods, God. Just deliver the goods. Give me a guarantee that as I change my life, you will show up on the other side. Give me a guarantee that I'm not doing this for nothing. I don't want to engage with you on some trust level. Aren't we past the trust level? Why does God have trust issues? Always asking me to trust him more. Why? Say it again. Why? You're probably right. That's exactly right. For the Lord has plans for every one of us at some point soon. You're exactly right. Thank you. I look at this, I look at this passage and I I think about that moment, and then I put myself in that situation, and I think, what if my kids ever treated me like I treat God? In that moment to where I want the guarantee, and I don't want to trust, and I don't want to wait, and I have no patience for him. What if my kids did that to me? This is the season, you know, where they come in and they say, Dad, here's my Christmas list. All of this Christmas list? Oh, I don't know, and you play it up. Oh, I don't think there's any way you can get any of this stuff. That is just, and you off you go. But I'm telling you what, if my daughters came in, either one of them, and they stepped into the living room or the kitchen or wherever I was, and they said, Dad, I got a question for you, a serious question. Is this Christmas going to be as good as last Christmas? Well, I guess a lot of that depends on you. Yeah, but what I'm saying, Dad, is that do you think I'm going to get all the stuff that I ask for? I guess that depends on you. I don't think you understand, Dad. What I'm saying is this. Look, old man, I'm not waiting around on you. I'm not waiting around on you just to be disappointed. Produce the receipt. Show me that I don't have to sit and wait 10 more days to be disappointed. I don't want to play this game with you, Dad. Mm. 
me tell you how that evening would end. <laughs> yes, she sure should, shouldn't she? <laughs> Let me tell you how that evening would end. I would calmly walk to the garage where I would get my hammer. And I would come back in and it would not make one single bit of difference how much money I spent on gifts. I would one by one unwrap every gift and I would begin to crush it with a hammer repeatedly until it was completely destroyed. One by one by one. I would not even care about the, the, the money part of this. I would crush it in front of them. Piece by piece. This is the one you asked for? Yeah, that's the... Boom, boom, boom. Is this the one? Yeah. Every single one of them. You know what I would do? I would silence her into trusting me. She would never doubt me ever again. Christmas is going to be good because no Christmas could ever be that bad, ever. <laughs> it's called perspective. Is it not? It's called perspective. And you know what's amazing? Is that some of us find ourselves in that spot all the time with God. Think about it. You ever had all your favorite toys crushed in front of you? Piece by piece? The job? The relationship? The lifestyle? The friendships? The finances? The health? The babies? All our favorite things just crushed in front of us. And we stand by, must be the devil attacking me. God is screaming from heaven, oh, it's not him. It's me. One by one, I will crush them all until you realize that not only is this the gift-giving season, but I am the gift-giver. Oh. You want a guarantee? No. Not anymore. Not anymore. You know what I want? I just want to know one thing. That's a good one. I just need to know how will this happen? Not how can I know. How will your plan unfold in my life? Have you been in that spot to where he just begins to break and crush everything around you? Because you know what will happen? Zechariah is silent for nine months. He cannot talk for nine months. And then, finally, the baby is born, and somebody said, what is the baby's name? And you know what you're supposed to name your baby, right? If your name's Zechariah, you know what you're supposed to name your baby? We're going to name him Zechariah. He takes his chalkboard that's tied around his neck with twine, and he begins to scrawl out the letters J-O-H-N. And he holds it up. And his voice comes back and he says, John. And then something happens. It's kind of like my friend. It's kind of like us. It's kind of like all of our toys. Zechariah's words come out and everything's been realigned. And finally, from that place, that ancient ruins of faith that's been buried deep inside, 
He says the thing that he needs to say. Luke chapter 1, like verse 68, praise be to God. The first thing he says, praise be to God, for he has come. He came. I'm not waiting on the porch anymore. He came. He finally came. I'm an old man and my wife is old, but he finally came. This Christmas, I would love to give you some sort of awesome challenge. We're going to dive in and do this thing. Instead, I'm going to do this. I don't look for you to go forward in anything. I'm not going to challenge you to move forward. In fact, I want to challenge you to do something different than that. Go backwards. I want you to go back to the storeroom of all your old forgotten prayers, things that you shelved a long time ago that you've left alone, that you've forgotten, out of sight, out of mind. I want you to go back in and I want you to dust them off. I want you to find your hope, to blow the dust off of it. I want you to take your faith and your trust. I want you to dust that off. And then when it comes time for the nativity, I want you to lay those things down in front of him and give them to him as your gift. This is your gift. Give him the thing that he wants most and that you so desperately need most. To give him your faith. Give him your trust. He is not one who's going to leave you stranded. Oh, it's like my buddy and I were talking the other day. You know, God is never, ever late. But he is seldom early. That's all right. Praise be to God, for he came. And he did, didn't he? In the form of a baby, just to let us know how much he loves us. He is not a threat. He's here to love us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for everything that you've done for us and in us. Lord, we thank you for these stories that Luke has recorded. I pray that you be with everyone as they spend time with family, that we can focus our hearts and our attention on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good day.